Welcome back, my friends, to the D-Rate the Hate podcast. I am your host, Wilk of Wilksworld.com, and I am so incredibly grateful that you are taking the time to join me for another powerful DTH episode. Friends, at the D-Rate the Hate podcast, it's all about bettering the world one attitude at a time. See, we did not create the hate, but with your help, we can derate the hate. That all starts with gratitude and personal accountability. We cannot control everything that happens to us in life, but we can control how we react to it. How we act, how we react, no matter what happens to us, how we react to it makes the difference. Friends, there is only one good thing about a bad attitude, and that is that we have the ability as individuals to change it. Here on the DTH Podcast, we strive to bring you great guests and provide tools to do just that. Please be sure to share it with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't done so. Ratings and feedback are always greatly appreciated. And with that, let's get to this week's episode. Friends, one of the things that I've talked about quite often on this podcast is the idea that we are so often put in a box. Put in a box, had a label put on that box, and then put on a shelf until somebody was ready to pander to everyone within that box. Why are we allowing people to put us in a box? I recently had a conversation with my good friend Eva Kurilova about how the LGB community is not necessarily the same as the LGBT community, let alone all the other things that get added on to that acronym to, I guess, widen that box, increase the size of that box, so that somehow people think that everybody within that box feels and thinks the same way. Well, not only does, and not only did that conversation with Eva Kurilova prove that that maybe the LGB community thinks differently than, say, the trans community, but the trans community, within the trans community alone, the trans community alone is not a monolith. Now, my friend Xander Kegg, who happens to be a post-transition transsexual man, joins me this week to talk about how the trans community is not a monolith. You have to remember, my friends, that just because somebody places you in a box, it does not mean you have to walk lockstep with everybody else they want to put in that box. We are not in a monolith. We are individuals, and we are allowed to think and speak and do things as individuals. Every time somebody puts you in a box and says everyone in that box thinks like this, so you must think like them, they are doing everybody, including themselves, a disservice because we have to have the conversation. We have to enter into conversations with people that are not like us in order to live in a functioning society. My guest this week, Xander Kegg, is a licensed clinical social worker, award-winning speaker, educator, and author earning many distinguished accolades for his work. Xander is also a first-generation American of Mexican heritage, a post-transition transsexual man, Coast Guard veteran, childhood TBI survivor, a neurodivergent first-generation college student, and the primary caregiver for his elderly veteran father living with dementia. I'm honored to call Xander Keg a friend, and I'm so grateful to have him join me as this week's guest on the D-Rate the Hate podcast. With that, my friends, here we go. Xander Keg, thank you for joining me on the D-Rate the Hate podcast, my friend. So good to see you again. 
Thanks, Wilk. It's good to be here. Glad to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Oh, I've been looking forward to it as well. I, you know, we we uh, we've had a couple conversations. Got to meet each other in person for the first time at the Braver Angels convention back in uh, July, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and that that was a that was a treat, obviously for so many reasons. But I first became familiar with you, Xander. Uh, through the organization Fair, I, I've I've interviewed a number of people uh, that have worked with Fair. I, I I first saw you in some of the videos that you you videos and and things you've written for Fair. So uh, just for people who don't know who Xander Keg is, Xander is a uh, well, I'll let you tell it, Xander, because you're a trans man who doesn't necessarily walk in lockstep with that trans ideology. So go ahead and uh, <laughs> just brief, briefly tell tell the DTA's listeners, Xander, what, uh, what's going on. Sure. Well, you mentioned FAIR, or the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, and I was uh, on the board of advisors for FAIR and also a senior fellow with FAIR from around August of 2021 until around I think it was around May of 2023. So I spent a good amount of time with FAIR and I um, was featured in a few videos that they did. So you mentioned one where I was talking about how those of us in the trans community are not a monolith. And what I mean by that is that we come from so many different walks of life. We've come from all over the world or we live all over the world, right? So we're from different parts of the world. We come from all the different races and ethnicities, socioeconomic backgrounds, religious upbringings, socioeconomic stratus. I mean, we are a very diverse, right? We're very diverse as a community. But what ends up happening, and I think this is mostly in like legacy media or mainstream media or social media, people are under the impression that we all, you know, basically march to the same tune. And that's just not true. It's not true at all. We also come from all the different political parties, right? If you're just talking about the United States, I know trans people who are Democrats, social Democrats, um, let's see, Republicans, Libertarians, Green Party members, right? So independents. So we, we, we're all across the board there. And so when you really think about what does that mean, Well, that means that we're going to have differing ideas and opinions about things. We're going to live our lives in very different ways. And what's unfortunate is that because so many people think that we are a monolith, that we think the same way, feel the same way, believe the same things, then they take those marching orders into their own lives as, quote, an ally to our community, and then start schooling people like me who are part of the community, but are, <laughs> you know, marching to my own tune. And and so then I get criticized by members of the, quote, trans community, which I don't really think we have a community as such. Sure. We're a bunch of different communities, um, but there are things that we all have in common with each other, like we want access to you know, healthcare from competent healthcare providers, things like that. We want to be able to not be forced out of our jobs. We want to be not be forced out of our apartments, forced out of restaurants, these kinds of things. That that's the things that we have in common. But otherwise, so dare I, no. Dare I say, Xander, that 
that the things that that you and 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 your wife, your family are talking about at the dinner table are very similar to the same things that that I would be talking about with my wife at the dinner table. It, it's it's the the everyday issues of life. This the same things apply to you that apply to me, but. It must be a real treat. It must be very interesting for you because if anybody was to walk up to you on the street, Xander, and, and you know they're they're gonna have no idea that you're, you know, yeah. you're born a female. You're you know you yeah. grew up a little girl just like most other little girls, right? But but you live your life as a man now. It must be a real interesting thing when people walk up to you and and try to tell you, you know, uh, you know, try to try to introduce their mentality about the trans thing to you Mm -hmm. when they don't know that you are who you are well it's 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 always been interesting right my life has been interesting in the sense that when i before i did my quote transition right i started taking testosterone these this is what brings the deeper voice and the beard and and the you know the loss of the hair on the top of my head um before I started doing that, I was part of lesbian community. And so to speak, right, there's a lot of sub communities, but let's just be, you know, simple, um, part of lesbian community. And even there, I didn't quite fit into most of the subcultures because, well, I was, I was raised Catholic and I've always been uh, pro-life. And so that didn't gel very well. Right. So I always had a little, I was always a little bit about a step with within lesbian community but not entirely but you know the what you would consider to be the more mainstream or dominant voice in that community but but people would peg me oh you're a lesbian that means you must think this way and believe this way and then i went through the the medical transition and it's like oh well you're a man so you must think this and you must believe this and you must want this and i'm also first generation my my father's from mexico so i'm first generation uh, mexican american and they're like oh you're mexican oh you must want this and think this and believe this right so you know and I, i'm sure i'm not everybody gets pegged to a certain degree i'm sure you get pegged as the um working class white guy right sure. we get pegged and i don't think a lot of us are the you know, dictionary description of what we're being pegged as. I know it's not unique to me. It drives me crazy. And that's something I've talked about so many times, Xander, is the the fact that, that people put these, put us, put us all in a box, right? They put us whatever box they want to put us in. Then they put this label on the box and then it goes up onto the shelf. And then when they think they need to pander to that box for whatever reason, uh, I, I don't care if it's the media that's trying to trying to you know make people believe certain things and and try to pander to a certain group or politicians doing it or I mean businesses do it politicians do it the media does it it's 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 almost human nature now for everybody to put somebody else in a box put a label on it and then only pull that box out when it's necessary for whatever they're they're trying to accomplish and I and and whether it be the trans community or the gay community or or you know the the white middle class or you know <laughs> white christian male community whatever you know whatever community they think it is wherever whatever box they think they need to put you in it's it's become the standard and and it's unfortunate mm. because you know one of the things that 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 struck me you know when you and I were talking in one of our conversations it, it was you know kind of talking about that conversation i had with Eva Kurilova uh back uh a, a couple months ago and, and she she's been part of the uh you know the the lgb community in in 
in Canada primarily, but she writes and, you know, she's, she's written for several different, uh, different pieces for different people and, and talks about how, you know, the, what, what was called the, the standard trans, uh, uh, movement came in and moved in on the LGB movement. And, and then somehow those movements became conflated and they thought that they all had to be one. And, and she's like, but it's, but it's different. And so there, there is big differences. And, and then when they tried to start putting the, all the alphabet letters together, I think you and I've talked a little bit about this. It's like, but there's, there's really big differences there. And, and we deal with different issues. There's different things there, right, Xander? Well, let me, let me go back one thing to the boxes and then I'll talk about that really quickly. Okay. So the difference, the difference that I experienced personally with this being shoved into a box or, a, or assumed to be within a box um, is the difference between the in-group, out-group response to that. So when I was, before I did my medical transition or before I, you know, took medicine to look, you know, like a man, um, I would go out and do trainings on, you know, the man box and the female bo- man, woman box or the, the, the male box or the female box. And we do these trainings with like college students and high school students about what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man? We'd write things in the box and we talk to them about like, well, what if you don't want to be all those things? Are you not a woman? Are you not a man? And the, you know, being a masculine woman in the lesbian community was perfectly fine. The grief that I got was outside from my community. The difference now is that since I'm not fitting properly into the expected trans box, I actually don't get grief from the outside community. I'm now getting grief from the inside. So that's a very different experience to have. Now, the thing about LGBT, right, as a big, one big happy family, there are lots of things we don't have in common, right? Um, that's not to say that we don't have certain things in common. Like there are trans people who are lesbian or gay or bisexual, right? So there's that issue, right? The sexual orientation issue separate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from what somebody would say, like a gender identity. Uh, the other thing is that when we're tra- trans people, also uh, lesbian and gay and bisexual people um, get policed for their gender expression. Right. So how we present ourselves, our masculinity and femininity as we express through our hairstyles, our clothing, our mannerisms. Right. In that way that we're expressing ourselves, we equally get the friction that comes with that. Mm -hmm. So a gay man who is feminine. um, Is is likely a target of bullying, like when they're younger the same as um, a young boy or young man who's more going towards trans female or trans feminine or trans woman or, you know, non-binary, some of the other categories now, because they're being seen as a male who is transgressing the gender norms of being a man. Sure. Right. So that's some of the overlap comes in that when they see a, when a, when a person who is uncomfortable or completely resistant to um, you know, what they would consider unnormal or un, or not normal or n- unnatural sexual orientations or proclivities or things. They don't know how to differentiate between a gay man who's a drag queen performing at a, on a, on a bar stage and a trans woman who, uh, right. It's like two different people, two different type, totally two different communities of people. 
Sure. There sure. might be a little bit of overlap, but the general population doesn't know how to differentiate. So I think that's part of the reason why we went from the gay and lesbian community to the lesbian and gay community to the lesbian, gay, bisexual community to the lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans community. I think that's how that evolution started, because the discrimination, the prejudice has a lot of similarities. The similarities were there because the overlap was there. Yeah. But the medical stuff is very different, right? They removed homosexuality out of the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual of the mm -hmm. American Psychiatric Association, but then they put in gender identity disorder or gender dysphoria, right? So they took out homosexuality and they put in transsexuality, not that exact word, phrasing, but so, right. so, so that's kind of an interesting thing that happened uh, simultaneously. Well, and, and one of the things that I was fascinated with, um, Xander, in, in your story was the fact that, you know, you didn't decide to start living as a man necessarily because, or in, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is the way that I understood it. You didn't choose to start living as a man necessarily because, you know, because you had this strong desire to be a man or or you believed you were a man. But you are a a lesbian living as a lesbian, and because of the 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 way you were treated as a lesbian and and the way you presented yourself as a lesbian didn't fit into the standard. How how did that work? Because that was that was a part of the story that that I thought was quite fascinating, and and that's kind of what made you choose to take that medical step to start living as a man. So talk to me a little bit about that. Cause I, I think that's quite fascinating in itself. Yeah. yeah. And I should, I should let people know I, I'm not the only uh, trans man just for simplicity's sake, who has a similar, you know, backstory. And that is that I, um, I was a fairly masculine woman mm -hmm. and that started causing me problems when I was in my late teens, early 20s, where I would be verbally accosted and sometimes physically accosted by men and sometimes young women in public, public bathrooms, public spaces, you know, fairs, the 7-Eleven store parking lot. Like I had um, several instances of being, you know, pushed or punched or kicked around. So the somehow my masculinity was such an affront to people and i went through my teens dealing with it in my 20s and most of my 30s it wasn't until i was 39 years old that i started taking testosterone and really what happened is i i read a bunch of books i watched some documentaries i met some people in the trans community trans male community ftm community we used to call it female to male community and I thought, you know what, that seems like a possible alternative, right? If if I if my masculinity is such an affront, and I'm just dealing with people, you know, saying things to me, looking at me in ways that uh, over decades of this, it, you know, it started to grate on me. And I thought, if all I need to do is take a medication. And maybe have a simple surgery because I think, you know, double mastectomy is is for people who don't have breast cancer is a very it's not an invasive surgery for the most part. Like it's 
it's a fairly simple hour and a half procedure and you're set home. Um, but, you know, I know for some people it's a big deal and it leaves them mm-hmm. with very emotional and mental and physical, you know, trauma. But it, it's not for all of us. For me, it was like, sure, let's just, you know, let's take them off and let's go. Um, I thought if that's all I need to do and then I can live my life in peace and people not bother me, then it seemed like something worth trying. That's what I thought at first. I'm going to try it. And I went to a doctor and and I told him, I didn't lie to them. I didn't say I'm born in the wrong body and I'm going to kill myself. Right? I didn't use other people's stories to tell right. my story. For some people, that's their true, accurate story. It wasn't mine. And so I just said, this is why I want to do it. Just what I explained to you, probably slightly differently, but not in any way that was untrue. And she said to me, you know, I've been working with trans people for 12 years. Now, this is 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she said, you're not the first person who's told me this version of a story, like this this particular um, version of why you want to do your transition. And she wrote me the prescription for testosterone, and I started taking it. And I've been taking it now for 18 years. I don't have any regrets. I I don't think that I would have been better had I not done it. I don't think that I was just too weak and couldn't stick it out as a, you know, a butch dyke, um, as we would have been referred to back in the day. I just, I just thought, you know what, I'd like to be comfortable. I like to have my life running smoothly. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe it would be, I'd be more comfortable navigating the planet and my life would be more smooth on a day-to-day basis. And it turns out it has been. So it's worked, it's worked really wonderfully for me. And and congratulations for that. I mean, I th- I think that's that that is absolutely amazing. I think uh, I, I've never heard another person and and well, the fact is is I, I don't think they publicize that kind of story very often because th- they and that story I, I think more people could probably relate to what you're saying there, Xander, than and and I don't care which side of. Uh, of the political spectrum where you're on or where on that spectrum you fall, uh, I think more people can probably relate to to something like that than these, and I'm going to call them what they are, what I believe they are, is, is militant activists that are out there saying that that there's no such thing as as gender. Gender is completely fluid. It's what you believe you are, and and. You know, anybody can be anything that they want, and there's no such thing as male and female. I, I think mm-hmm. that the story that you're telling, Xander, is something so much more relatable to and and, and not necessarily relatable in the way that people can, you know, truly say, okay, well, I, I could I could get on board with that, but relatable in the sense that, okay, well, that that makes a lot more sense. You know, Xander was a female uh that that did not feel that she was living her best life because she was being picked on all the time because she was a very uh, masculine female, that kind of story right there. And, and then doing what you did, you know, having the double mastectomy, taking the testosterone and living your life now as a man is so much more relatable because it's an aversion to, all that bullying that you were getting uh, ahead of time and, and now living by all rights, a, a much, much better, a much more comfortable life. So yeah. talk to me a little bit, Xander, yeah. about your thoughts on 
because nowadays we we just see so much of it and and I will I I can't even begin to wrap my brain around it the idea that that we now have schools and the media and different medical associations are even getting on board with the idea that okay these this this kid was born in the wrong body so we have to somehow transition this kid you know I'm one that believes that adults could do whatever they want if that's something that they want to do by all means, go for it. I don't think I should have to pay for it. I, I don't think that I should have to support it. But I do have to have empathy for those people. Where I draw the lines, Xander, is when kids become involved and, and people want to try and push this uh, militant activist mentality on the children. Sure. Yeah. Well, let me just say, you know, I think I was naive when I went into this. Because, you know, like I said a minute ago, it's like, I just want to live a, you know, a comfortable, you know, and I, I think I said at the time to the doctor, a safer, I want to be feel safer in the world. Well, that's because I was completely unaware of how unsafe it is to be a man in society, too. Oh, well, right? So men, yeah. men are more likely to be the victims of violent crime than women are. And, but I didn't know about that. And frankly, I mean, to be honest, I didn't care right at the time and so i was you know more focused on on lesbian community and what we were going through and so so what i want to say is like it's not easier living in the world as a man but it's easier being masculine and looking like a man than being masculine and and looking like a woman that is what is easier so I, yeah. I mean in society should it be that way no Right. Should we have been able when we started in the 70s to free to be you and me? Should we have been able to um, really go all the way with, you know, let girls be as masculine as they want, let boys be as feminine as they want, let's blend it all together? I mean, because the reality is that, you know, as as the man that I am now, the way I look, I could go even more feminine now and I'd probably get grief. Right. So it's it's more about the gender expression than the gender presentation. So or the or the perceived gender identity, as people will say. Right. It's the sex traits, sex traits. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that's why I say I live in the world as a man socially, uh, legally. Uh, I function as a man. My my friend Aaron Kimberly, he likes to say it's a legal fiction. Right. Because the courts deemed us male. And we got that changed on all of our government identification, right? Birth certificates, passports, driver's license, right? So that's that's you know the, that's what that's the way it works in a lot of states in the United States and some provinces of Canada. And so I'm I'm okay with that, whatever, because it, I I don't want to be hassled because my driver's license says female and I look like this, right? That's the same thing to me. I don't want to be hassled for that, but I don't I don't deny that my sex is female that I'm an XX chromosomed person who had a full hysterectomy and had all of my female rep reproductive organs removed from my body. And, but I live socially as a man, but this denial of sex, if there's no such thing as sex, then you can't be same sex attracted. That means gay and lesbian people, they're same sex attracted. And so I don't like this. I don't like this movement from, what would be, I don't know, I hear a lot of people say trans radical activists or trans activists or, or trans ideologues, whatever, all the different ways that people speak about it. When they say there's no such thing as biological sex, 
and you can be whatever gender you want. It's like, okay, I do believe there's a sex. I'm a medical social worker. I mm-hmm, worked in mm-hmm. hospitals for a number of years. I believe in biological sex. I know that I am biologically female. And I think that we can express our genders in a bunch of different ways. I mean, David Bowie was a man. Boy George is a man. But they were very feminine in their in their performance, sure, right? In sure. the way they dressed, in the way they moved. Right. You had the same thing with Annie Lennox and Grace Jones, very masculine presenting. Right. Katie Lang, very masculine presenting female singers. So we can do that. I can be as masculine and feminine or androgynous. That doesn't mean that I'm still not female and I'm still not presenting to the world and being uh, seen right as a man. Um, but I don't I don't like coming from lesbian community for all those years. I mean, I came out when I was 14 years old. So I spent a lot of time in lesbian community. And I don't like the idea that I have, you know, a bunch of lesbian friends or acquaintances that are now being told that they're bigots if they don't want to be in relationship uh, with a trans person who calls himself a trans woman or trans feminine um, because you know, somehow they're a bigot now because they don't want to do that. And, you know, I think we all are entitled to have our attractions. Oh, I would say so too. Yeah. And, I mean that... and bodies are part of attraction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there are just certain bodies that people aren't going to be attracted to. And I don't think that that makes them bigots. Now, there are some people who might only date a certain race of people and it goes beyond, you know, just natural attraction it's like a it's like a refusal i'll never date a blankety blank you know then i mean there's some hostility to it so it might be a prejudice there um but there's uh, i don't care i mean like i wouldn't date them then you know (laughs) like i want to i wouldn't want to be in a relationship with somebody oh i can't be in a relationship with a mexican i'm like peace out see you later (laughs) you know i'm not going to force them to be in a relationship (laughs) with me i mean i'm married 21 years now so i don't want to be in a relationship with anybody but my wife but i like I don't take that personally, but I think there's a people who are, you know, they take things very personally. They personalize. They have what's called a cognitive distortion in clinical terms. I am a licensed mm-hmm. clinical social worker. We didn't really talk about that up front, but, you know, so personalization is a cognitive distortion and it leads to a lot of suffering emotionally, mentally, physically, um, functionally, relationally. Uh, so I, I wish people didn't do that. They're causing themselves a lot of extra harm. And people get to have their choices, whether we like them or not. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely right. I mean, we either have freedom of association or we don't, right? Yeah. And and that's one of those things where, you know, I I can't make, um, you know, people used to make jokes of, you know, I can't make a lesbian love me no matter how hard I try because, I mean, frankly, I'm not a woman, right? And and the same thing, you know, with people are going to be attracted to who they're attracted to. And and it's not for me to say or, or change uh, anything about me because like me, I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly masculine guy. If I decide tomorrow that I wanted to start identifying as a woman, there's nothing I can probably do in reality to make the lesbian community embrace me as a woman. It's just not going to happen. So, so that whole thing about, um, that that whole thing about the we we can somehow make our 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 sex fluid like i said for me and i may have been i may have said that completely wrong i don't even know but but the the reality is this 
when I, when I think about these things, you know, and and I think about how I uh, how I empathize w- with people who are suffering through any number of different things. You know, I don't care if it's if it's a, a a man that thinks he's a woman or a woman that thinks she's a man or or somehow they think that it's some kind of fluid spectrum or whatever. All of those things are 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 things that I can't relate to because it's nothing that I've ever gone through. But I can empathize with them because they're suffering from something that I can't I, I can't imagine the same same way yeah, with yeah. with anything. Right. And I think what we really need to do, Xander, is just look at people for who they are and what they are and and just try to be as understanding of the humanity of, of, of that human being and, and take that into account and, and try not to, to worry about the other thing. Now, conversely, I look at the rest of that and I say, yeah. you know, that person can't then push that on me. Or, or my kids or, or whatever, you know, they have yeah. to have the same respect back towards me and say, you know what, it's up for it's up to him to tell his kids and and, and, and raise his kids the right way to, to see see the humanity in other people. I can't force what I'm feeling onto them. So I, I think there's I think it's a paradox yeah. that we have to really go through as human beings. I think what's changed with what's ha- what's changed over the last few years is that maybe several years, I'm, you know, I don't know exactly how to date this, but it used to be that, you know, we wanted to basically have the legal protections, mm-hmm. right? Like I said in the beginning, not get fired from our jobs, thrown out of our homes, kicked out of restaurants, you know, denied entrance into a college, um, um, denied health care, right? We, you know, not be thrown out of our phone homes by our family, you know, disconnected, you know, become estranged for them, like basic, those basic kinds of things. Um, and so the, the idea was let's, let's see if there are healthcare providers out there who are interested in working with us. And let's start programs, training programs to get them better equipped to know what they're dealing with. And then we'll start sending people from the community to go see those people. And, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. know, we'll, we'll go to the colleges that have, you know, a student center that, that, you know, has a place for, you know, somebody like us. We'll go to, right, we'll, we'll go to our own little communities, right, the little LGBT community part of a city or something like that, right? So we were finding our own little niche in the world and trying at the our family level, our workplace, our community, our places of worship, like in those little areas, trying to get people like, can we come here? Can we be a part of this? Will you welcome us? And I think the difference is now is, we were asking, like, can we can we be a part of this, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you okay with us being a part of this? And now we've switched more into um, every place, every person must be a place that we are welcome. And not only that, but you all have to change the way you speak because you can't say anything that upsets us. Right. And right. so it, it, that's a very different thing, right? And so compelling people to take up a belief that they don't hold and compelling people to say things that they don't, you know, want to say, or um, basically coercing people um, through doxing and other forms of intimidation to not say what they want to say, 
Now that's the problem, I think, is, and that's even affected me. It, it's cost me jobs, right? As an independent consultant, it's cost me um, gigs. It's cost me speaking engagements. Um, it's cost me friends, right? So they're, they're, this is going on not just from trans community to the outside world. It's happening within our community as well. Happening and within the community. Yeah. I, I and have to imagine because, yeah, when any, anytime you, anytime you take, and, and like I said, I don't care whether it's a trans thing or any other, call it whatever. Pull down a box off the shelf, like we were talking about earlier, right? When you go from can you accept us to you must celebrate us, you know, that when when you when you all of a sudden force that, you know, because can you accept us is a very it's a very welcoming thing. It's it's yeah. it's kind of a, a kind of a thing. And, and and you can get rational people to think very, you know, very welcoming to a message like that. Can you accept us? to a we're gonna force you to celebrate us that's when well, people I think it get goes mad, one step right? further i think it went from will you do you welcome us will you include us to now you need to celebrate us and i think where we've gone where we are right now is and now you need to change the way you do everything to accommodate us right right yep right you need so women are now menstruators isn't that right yeah. And what I find really interesting is that the same thing doesn't happen for men, right? Men aren't penis havers. <laughs> men aren't sperm producers. Right. Like, I find it really interesting that it's only happening to women, you know, um, that it's like uterus havers, menstruators, uh, uh, birthing eaters, people, right? I, I think that's, I think people, you're exactly right? right. I think this is the big elephant in the room is, is this, this thing maybe one of the greatest assaults on womanhood in human history and, and 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 not and i don't even know that it was it probably wasn't intentional but by default has become one of these things i mean when you start calling a mother a birthing person instead of a mom right i mean that's 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 truly an assault i mean they they try to make everything be some kind of an assault now and, and and whatever. I I truly think that that is calling a mom, calling a mother, a birthing person instead of a mother is is in my opinion, <laughs> just my opinion, just me speaking out loud here. That that is an assault on 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 womanhood. It's and, dehumanizing, uh, is what it is. It's, it is. It's redu. It's reducing right. The feminist movement, right, the second wave of feminism, even the first wave of feminism was trying to get across the point that women are more than their body parts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now they're being reduced to their body parts under the name of a new kind of feminism. Like it makes no sense to me, right? As a 57-year-old who spent my entire, you know, adolescence and, and young adulthood in second wave feminism, and with my parents who were involved in, in that movement to whatever degree they were involved, um, you know, they weren't like officially like marching or anything, but they were involved in raising me to be, you know, a kind person and and not trying to track me down a particular a particular road. My mother wanted me to be very feminine, but my father raised me. And so he let me be a tomboy. Um, but still, you know, within society, uh, again. It, I think it's um, right. Can we 
it, I think the the gay rights movement was, you know, please don't beat us up. Please don't jail us, you know? And then we moved into like, please let us keep our jobs. Please let us ride on the airplanes. Please. And then it moved into, please let us marry each other. Please let us adopt children. Please let us buy homes, mm-hmm. right? It kept moving and moving. Um, and then we, please let us be in the military openly, right? Mm-hmm. And it, and it, uh, I served in the military pre don't ask, don't tell, uh, right? When you had to keep things very quiet and hidden. Uh, and so I, you know, I know what it's like to live under that kind of, of um, suspicion, but we don't have that anymore, right? We've made so much progress and it feels like because of this new, this new iteration of activism that is, is, coercing people into thinking, saying, and um, believing contrary to what they do think and believe and, and feel that doing and what they want to say, like that is causing some of these hard won rights to start being pulled back. People are worried now about the possibility that same sex marriage, or I don't even know what they call it now. If it's not, you know, same sex well, if marriage. there's no such thing as sex, how can be there? Yeah. How can there be same sex marriage? Right. But and they're worried the question, about it, you know? And this is a question I had for you, Xander, because this is something that's come up in other conversations I've had uh, with, with people, you know, in the, what are LGBTQ community or whatever. But, now that things have become in many ways very, like I said, my words, but militant in in some of these 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 activist circles now, how much is this going to actually how much damage is this actually gonna do to all the, the so called progress that has been made at this point? Because like I said in that conversation with Eva Kralova, you know, it, it went from we just want to love who we want to love, which I think a lot of people got on board with. I mean, it, across the spectrum, to a complete erasure of, um, of of sex and 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 like people like me, you know, like I said, and like I told her, some people will say I don't have a dog in the fight because I'm a you know conservative white Christian male, uh, but one of the big big things that I always believed was if we start to blur those lines and try to erase the distinction between men and women, there's going to be a lot of consequences to that. So I think a lot of us could get on board with that. We just want to love who we love thing. But yeah. when, when, and, and, and at that time we said, if we let, you know, if, if this is a slippery slope, because, it's going to go to a complete erasure of that distinction between man and woman. And, 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 and yeah. a lot of people that in the movement like said, no, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. Yeah, It'll never happen. Yeah. But look, sure enough, it, it, I mean, it happened, happened like so, overnight. So what kind of damage, are, I mean, yeah. Xander, where do you see this thing going and what kind of damage do you believe it will do? And I know we're getting close to the end of our yeah, time yeah. here and then we'll wrap it up. But well, one thing I want to say first is that, you know, the difference between the gay rights movement or the gay and lesbian, you know, movement for for civil rights, it was like, I'm a gay person, I'm a lesbian person, I want to love who I want to love, and I want the the right to marry the person that I love and have a family and own a home. It wasn't saying, and being gay is better than not being gay or straight, and it wasn't saying, you know, as a gay man, 
um, all men now should, I should be able to be in relationship with any man I want to be in because they're a bigot. They're a homophobe if they won't, right? That didn't happen. It was like, I am who I am. I want what I want. And then I'm going to go live my life. With trans people, we're using a similar kind of, you know, like, we're not saying born this way, but if they say born in the wrong body, it's basically we're born this way too. We want all the same rights. It's like, okay, well, we did. The Affordable Care Act gave us health care rights, right? There mm -hmm. was there was no more um, restrictions, right? They took away the, um, oh, what's that that rule that was like um, pre-existing condition, right? They mm -hmm. got rid of pre-existing condition. So Affordable Care Act, if you could find a provider and you could start getting, you know, transition, you could start getting hormones and having surgeries in, in, in most states, um, not Medicaid provided in a lot of places, but, you know, through health insurance, through the employer. And so that was already happening. And then if you could change your sex legally, which you could in most states through your birth certificate, everything else, then you could enter into a marriage with a person of any sex. It didn't really matter, right? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. all marriages were legal. And so we had those. We already had those rights. Mm -hmm. We had them. So they took it to this other extended place, which is, it's not just that we want our rights. We want you now to completely change the culture that we all live in. And so my hope is that we are either at or we're near a tipping point where people are starting to catch on that it that this is getting, it's going further and further. And I think you know, every day more and more people are saying, oh, it's gone too far now, but it keeps going. Oh, it's gone too far now. So it's going to catch people at different phases of going too far. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm more interested in being part of a solution. So one of the things that I've done recently is um, and we're just in the development stages right now, but I am now the co-chair of Braver Angels Equality Caucus. Nice. Right. And so we have formed an LGBT caucus within Braver Angels, and we're meeting as a steering committee to put all of the pieces into place before we make the big announcement. But that's our hope is that we're going to be able to be in dialogue within our community in Braver Angels and within the larger LGBT community, that mm -hmm. we're going to be able to have conversations with reds and blues and yellows. And and bring everybody to the table, maybe have some depolarizing within workshops, have some debates. That's really what we want to do. And my hope is that we'll be successful to whatever degree that we have, especially now with all these partner organizations and with all the alliances around the country. Um, and then there's other efforts. You know, there is LGB Alliance. They have Canada, Britain, United States. There's also a new um, movement called LGBT Courage Coalition. These are people in the United States and Canada who are part of the LGBT community who are very um, unorthodox or heterodox in their thinking. Mm -hmm. And some are liberals, some are uh, moderate, some are conservatives. And, and so they're just, you know, coming together to, to bring awareness to this topic through Substack, LGBT Courage Coalition for people who are interested. So that's my, you know, so it's like, I don't want to spend too much time thinking about how worse, much worse it's going to get. I, I want to start cutting it off at the pass and enlisting I, as many people as possible from all different segments of the LGBT community, but also our allies in the community. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely the right direction to go, Xander. And, and I applaud you for that because uh, number one, I mean, everybody knows 
anybody certainly anybody that listens to the the D-rate the eight podcast knows I do an awful lot of work with uh, with the um with Braver Angels and uh you know these other coalitions that you're you're working with and 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 going about it the way that you're going about it now is I, I I'm very I'm a very solutions based person and, and I and I love to 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 think about you know things in terms of solutions. What is the problem that we're trying to solve? How do we get to the root cause of it, and then how do we fix it? And and I think what you're doing there, Xander, uh, or or what you're doing, what you're doing, you know, in conjunction with Braver Angels, you talked about the Braver Network, getting these this these different coalitions, these different alliances going, and and bringing people to the table to to show the true humanity in this, and and instead of focusing on which so many people do, unfortunately, is focus on the most extreme, anecdotal, nightmarish situations that are going on in our societies. So I applaud you for that. That's an incredible way to go about it. Um, we'll certainly link to uh, a lot of those things in the show notes. And, and you can certainly, uh, I would encourage, Xander would encourage anybody that, that wants to learn more about that uh, to go to the Braver Angels website because because uh, this is going to be a big part of, of moving forward for the LGBT community and, and and just just humanity in general. I mean, our society yes. is is has got to start accepting people. Uh, you know, there is a <laughs> very uh, diverse uh, mindset uh, amongst all groups of people. You know, whether it be the trans uh, the trans community. The, the gay, bisexual, lesbian community, conservatives have a, you know, may, you know, you may not believe it anymore, but amongst the conservatives and the Republicans, there is a diversity of thought amongst, you know, liberals and, and, and progressives. There still is some diversity of thought. I don't yeah. care what box people <laughs> want to put you in. There yeah. is diversity of thought. We don't have to walk in lockstep. And, Monoliths uh, don't exist anywhere, you know, and. And the thing is that, you know, coming from a clinical perspective, it's like anybody can relate to this. It's like, listen, if you have one person in your family that is completely emotionally dysregulated and is behaving like a tyrant in your family, it upsets everything. Mm -hmm, it upsets mm -hmm. mealtime. It upsets get up and do stuff in the morning time. It upsets get ready for bedtime. It upsets everything. Everybody has to reorganize themselves around that one you know, identified patient, as we would call it. In the workplace, <laughs> it just takes one toxic colleague to throw the whole thing off, right? It's one neighbor in your neighborhood can ruin the whole thing because mm -hmm. they're calling the police all the time or they're calling the, the regulators and the ordinance people on every little thing. Your your grass is too tall. Your the color <laughs> on your on your house is you know an affront to them. So it's like it's the same thing. Like we have to learn how to live in community with each other, whether it's in our homes in our schools, in our workplaces, in our organizations, in our places of worship. And so we can't let one person come in and ruin it for all the people that are there. And i that's how I see this. I see that a small group of people have been given too much attention and too much power. And it's time to let them know that we're not going to stand for it anymore. You're part okay. of a community and we need to learn how to get along. And you can't force everybody to go along with you and your wants and desires 
desires. Everybody else has wants and desires, and we need to learn where we need to compromise and where we need to collaborate and where we need to just avoid conflict. We need to figure out how to do that. So very well said, Xander. Thank you so much for joining me on the D-Rate the Hate podcast, my friend. I'm looking forward to more conversations in the future. And uh, I know we got bigger and better things ahead of us. So thank you very much. You're welcome, Will. Thank you for inviting me on. Friends, if there's anything in this episode that provided exceptional value to you, please make sure to hit that share button. Share it with your friends. Share it far and wide. And of course, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe right from our website so you can get the D-Rate the Hate podcast sent to your email inbox every week. So this is Wilk wrapping up for the week saying get out there. Be kind to one another. Be grateful for everything that you've got. And remember, it's up to you to make each and every day the day that you want it to be. If there is something that you would like to share with me, you can catch me on most social media platforms or you can email me directly, wilk at wilksworld.com. With that, my friends, I am going to back on out of here and we will catch you next week. Take care.